Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast, the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. Today is a listener request topic. I get a lot of questions about ketosis, what it is, if it works, if I personally am in a ketogenic state or if and how I leveraged ketosis during my personal 140 pound weight loss journey. So we are going to be talking about all things ketosis today. And I'm going to start by defining it and then busting some of the major myths out there. There's a lot of misinformation and misconceptions about ketosis. We'll talk about how it works, what some of the challenges are, and how you can know if it works for you. And then of course, because I think it's very important to always talk about implementation strategies, we'll talk about how you can find your perfect fit with ketosis if you choose to. It is not for everybody, but it can be effective, and so we'll cover all of that stuff. Now, there's no question uh, that carbohydrates are one of the big rocks of fat loss, and ketosis is really all about uh, carbohydrates, and it's simpler than, it's, it's more complicated than that. I'm simplifying it, but carbohydrates are one of the big rocks of fat loss. That doesn't mean you need to go no carb or even low carb to burn fat. And I just want to say before we dive into ketosis, if you have questions about carbs and fat loss, I think it might be very helpful for you to head over to primalpotential.com and read about the carbs and fat loss e-course that is listed under the work with me tab, because that is going to really give a really great primer of what carbohydrates are, how they impact hormone balance, how you can improve your carb tolerance, and specific strategies for carbs and fat loss. So you can head over to primalpotential.com and check out the Work With Me tab to find the carbs and fat loss strategies e-course. But for now, let's talk about ketosis. And I want to establish some basics of metabolism so that we understand kind of the environment our body is working in as it relates to fat metabolism and ketosis. So some cells in your body require glucose, right, which is a simple sugar, to function. Now, we remember from our carb lessons that the building block of all carbohydrates, whether it's a banana or a pretzel or a cookie or a bowl of pasta, the building block of all carbohydrates are simple sugars. 
And some cells need these simple sugars to function. But that does not mean you need to eat sugar in order for your body to work because our bodies are super efficient. They can manufacture glucose from protein. Well, why do we have this ability? Because if you think about it, our paleo ancestors didn't routinely have access to carbs. They did have access to fruits during certain seasons, but for most of the year, it was fat and protein, right? The body manufactures glucose from protein with the help of fat. So it requires fat to convert protein to glucose. That's the good news. Fat helps to fuel a process in the liver called gluconeogenesis. And it's a big word, but we can break it down. Gluco, meaning glucose, neo, which means new, and genesis to create. So to create new sugar. It creates new sugar from protein. And it does that using fat, okay? The process of using fat to generate glucose from proteins results in the metabolic byproduct of a ketone. Ketones are a type of fuel, a very, very high octane type of fuel, and they're generated during fat metabolism. Fat metabolism helps to power this process called gluconeogenesis, generating glucose from protein. So essentially, as far as a definition is concerned, and this is one I like from Jimmy Moore's book, Keto Clarity, uh, which I'll link to in the show notes, Ketosis is a metabolic state, a state of your metabolism basically, that happens when you consume a very low carb, moderate protein, high fat diet, and this metabolic state causes your body to switch from using glucose or sugar as its primary fuel source to running on ketones. And ketones are produced when your body burns fat. Okay, so it's this basically metabolic state when you're burning fat instead of sugar. Ketosis, guys, is not a starvation diet. When people think very low carb and moderate protein, geez, what am I going to eat? You got to eat fat. You do not want to put your body into starvation mode. That does not have the same response. Your body has an incredibly different response when you crash diet and drastically cut carbs and calories versus when you cut carbs but keep your calories high enough and create hormonal balance. Let me explain that so that none of you get this crazy idea to go ahead and cut carbs and protein and think you're going to send your body into fat burning mode. That is not necessarily true. I can summarize it this way and then I'll explain it. But if your body becomes alarmed that fuel is too scarce, right? It will break down muscle tissue, which is protein, for glucose and resist burning fat because it wants to conserve that very high energy fuel source that is your body fat. On the other hand, if you create a mild calorie deficit, right, consuming a moderate amount of protein that the body can use for gluconeogenesis so that it can break down that protein for your body's glucose needs instead of having to tap into your muscle for that protein, your body will generate ketones from the fat you eat and from your stored body fat without burning your precious metabolically active muscle tissue that you do not want to burn right? You don't want to lose that. Your precious muscle tissue, you got to hang on to it. You don't want your body burning that to uh, provide glucose from that protein. 
We are going to get into the details of ketosis, but I think these fundamentals are really important. There's another thing that you need to remember. Glucose can be converted to fat, right? In our carb spillover episodes, we've talked about that, how when we overeat carbohydrates and our short-term storage is all full, that glucose, the, the building block of those carbohydrates, gets converted to fat and stored in our adipose tissue or circulates in our blood as fat. So glucose can be converted to fat, but the reaction can't go the other way. So our fat can't be broken down for sugar. And that's awesome. That's what makes fat such an awesome macronutrient. Fat is stored as a triglyceride, okay? And we talk about the building blocks of carbs being sugars and the building blocks of proteins being amino acids. Well, the building blocks of fats are fatty acids. And so the storage form, the way fat is stored in our body is as a triglyceride, which is three fatty acids attached to a glycerol molecule. Now the glycerol can break away from those fatty acids during fat metabolism and combine with another glycerol molecule to make glucose. So if you're starving, you can get a little glucose from your body fat, but not nearly enough, okay? The lion's share, the majority of it has to come from your muscle which is going to allow you to get into that gluconeogenesis and generate glucose. Fat can't do it that way. So we have to make sure that your body's glucose needs are being met, which can be met from protein, while not sacrificing your muscle tissue. And that's why the protein you eat is so important, okay? Too much protein, though, can be a problem because... The protein you eat can't be stored as protein, okay? It has to be broken down. If you don't need it for energy now, all the excess is going to be stored, and the excess protein is broken down to glucose and either fuels the body as glucose or gets converted to and stored as fat. That's why so many people get stuck and wonder why they aren't losing fat while they're eating a whole food or primal diet. Many people overeat protein, and when they th- when their carbs are low, they think, I'm doing everything right, I'm keeping my blood sugar maintained, and I'm not spiking my insulin. Well, you might be if you're overeating protein. You, people will keep themselves in fat storage mode because of the quantity of protein that they're eating, and, and I did that. We are getting to the ketosis stuff, but these fundamentals kind of set the stage for how and why ketosis works in the body. So the liver, in order to have this process of gluconeogenesis, it needs energy to fuel that gluconeogenesis process, and that energy comes from fat. As the liver breaks down fat to release its energy to power this gluconeogenesis process, converting protein to sugar, the byproduct of that process is a ketone. And the ketones fuel the body. They're they're a replacement fuel, a replacement for sugar. And I need to emphasize that ketones can't totally replace all of the sugar that your body needs, but they can replace a lot of it and the rest can be generated from your protein intake. And when we do that, we spare our muscle mass, okay? When we create a situation where our body is generating ketones for fuel and we're consuming enough protein but not too much, 
to fuel and break down enough glucose for the glucose needs for our body, then we can stay in this sort of heightened fat loss mode. If instead of starving yourself, right, drastically cutting calories, if you follow, which is sort of the crux of ketosis, a very low carb diet with adequate calories coming from protein and fat, the protein you eat will help to generate the glucose your body needs and the rest of your energy will come from fat, okay? When ketosis is happening efficiently, your body shifts and requires less sugar. So you can downshift your body's glucose requirements to say an average of 120 grams a day. So as long as you're eating fewer carbs than that, let's say 60 grams per day, your body can generate the rest of its glucose needs from protein. And if you're eating enough protein, it can easily get that from the protein you eat without tapping into your muscle tissue. That is where the power comes in. One of the cool things about ketones, this metabolic byproduct of gluconeogenesis that is going to fuel your body, is that ketones are a fuel source that can't really be stored conveniently the way that fats and glucose can be. They'll stay in the blood floating around until energy is needed and they'll provide it. The more ketones you produce and the longer you stay in this mode of fueling your body that way, the more efficient your body becomes at using these ketones as fuel and the more efficient you become at burning fat. Now let's talk about some myths of ketosis. And there are a couple really big ones that I want to hit on. A lot of people believe that any low-carb diet is a ketogenic diet or that paleo and primal are naturally ketogenic because they don't include processed carbohydrates and they are generally lower carb than the standard American diet. That is not true. A low-carb diet does not equal a ketogenic diet. A paleo diet does not equal a ketogenic diet. You can't just cut carbs and go into ketosis. It is more than that. In order to get into ketosis, the sort of hallmarks of a ketogenic diet look like this. First and foremost, you need a calorie deficit, all right? So you can't eat 7,000 calories a day from pure fat and expect to be in ketosis. Why? Because your body has to have a slight calorie deficit in order to break down anything as fuel, right? So. It's not going to ever go into a state of using your muscle tissue or your body fat as fuel unless there are energy needs of your body not being met by food. So if you are consuming more food fuel than your body needs to operate, then you are in storage mode no matter where those calories are coming from. Does that make sense? So you, you have to first have a moderate calorie deficit. Part two is that very low carb part. And when I say very low carb, this is variable and we're gonna talk about what makes it vary from person to person, but you cannot assume that just if you stop eating processed carbs and fruit, you're going to be in ketosis. That is not true. In fact, most people, in order to get into ketosis, require very low carb, especially people who are overweight or have any degree of insulin resistance. Very low carb can be 20 to 50 or 60 grams per day, and that includes your non-starchy vegetables. That is very, very, very low. 
Also, in order to be in ketosis, it has to be moderate protein, not high protein. So even if you're very low carb, and even if you have a calorie deficit, if you are over consuming protein, you will not be in ketosis because remember that excess protein can be broken down to glucose and generate an insulin response, and that insulin response will turn off your ketone production. And then lastly, it has to be a high fat diet. If you go into this thinking that you're gonna cut carbs and cut protein and not compensate by eating a lot more fat, then you're in starvation mode, okay? And you will probably see a good amount of protein breakdown from your muscle tissue. A ketogenic diet is not meant to be a low calorie diet. Creating a calorie deficit does not mean a low calorie diet. When we drastically cut calories, we see an opposite response. When people count calories, they tend to really throw themselves off because you can eat a higher calorie diet and still be in a calorie deficit with ketosis because your body is much more efficient in burning high octane fuel. So a calorie deficit just means that you're consuming less fuel than your body needs to operate. But not all calories are created equal, and this is why people get so hung up on calories and they think like, well, if I go over 2,000 calories, then I'm definitely not in a calorie deficit. That's just not true. 1,800 calories might be a calorie deficit if you're, you know, eating paleo, and that's a totally random number. If anybody gets hung up on it and emails me about it, I'm going to lose my mind. But in ketosis, you might be able to eat 2,800 calories and still be in a calorie deficit because of your fuel efficiency. So again, those are random numbers, but my point is you can't assume, well, I'll just eat 1,500 calories from fat and everything will be good to go. That might be way too low because calories are not equal. Calories are not equal. I hate the fact that people have these numbers in their head, typically ranging from 1,200 to 2,500. They're arbitrary and they're misleading, so let your body be your guide. You have to listen to your body and pay attention to your hormonal biofeedback. Another major myth is that ketosis is dangerous. And for most people, that is not true. This dangerous kind of myth comes from two major misconceptions. One is that ketosis is a low-calorie starvation diet. If that's how you think ketosis works, you are doing it wrong because ketosis is actually a higher calorie diet than most standard paleo, primal, or low-carb diets because you have to make up for the carb and protein reduction by adding a lot more fat. When your body is in this fat-burning, fuel-efficient state, you can eat a lot more calories and still be in a calorie deficit. I want to say that over and over and over and over and over because people are so afraid to eat more calories. Listen, your body is going to give you the answers that you need. Stop relying on these fake numbers that have nothing to do with you or your body. But the other place that this dangerous uh, kind of misconception comes from is that ketosis is the same as ketoacidosis or ketosis leads to ketoacidosis. And that's not true. And it only reflects a, a real lack of understanding. So let's talk for a second about what ketoacidosis is and why it isn't even a remote concern for most of us. 
when diabetics don't get enough insulin, okay, their bodies can think they are starving because the body thinks there's no glucose available. There's no fuel available, but there is. Remember, and you can go back to our insulin episodes. I'll link to them in the show notes over on primalpotential.com. Insulin is required to clear the sugar from the blood so it can get into the cells to be used for fuel. But if you are an insulin-dependent diabetic who didn't take their insulin, then your body, even when your blood sugar is high, that sugar's trapped in your blood. It can't get into the cells to fuel them. So your body thinks you are starving. Your body thinks that there is no glucose. There is a lot of glucose. It's just that you don't have the insulin to deliver it to the cells, right? So your body goes into fat burning mode instead and ketone production goes into overdrive because it thinks, oh no, we're really starving. But again, the body isn't low in glucose. There's an excess of glucose. It's just trapped in the bloodstream. And because the body doesn't get these fuel signals, it just keeps producing ketones, producing ketones. And when the blood ketone levels reach about 20 millimolars, the patient or the individual can get very, very sick. This can be fatal. And that is ketoacidosis. But this is only applicable to type 1 diabetics who are dependent on insulin or insulin-dependent type 2 diabetics, and it's very rare in those individuals. This ketoacidosis isn't possible in the rest of us with a, with a, who respond to insulin because as you produce insulin, your body stops producing ketones. Your body stops producing ketones. So when you see ketoacidosis in diabetics, it, it corresponds with a rise in blood sugar right? But we have a, when we have a rise in blood sugar and we aren't insulin dependent diabetics, our ketone production shuts off. So if you are a normal individual who responds to insulin in ketosis, you will rarely, rarely see blood ketone measurements over five millimolars, okay? And when we're talking about ketoacidosis, we're talking about 20. And the fact that as blood sugar rises, ketone production turns off in the rest of us is the reason that this worry about ketoacidosis is not applicable to those of us who are not insulin dependent. All right, so we've established what ketosis is and kind of how it works. But ketosis looks different for everyone. The total amount of carbohydrate that you can consume to get into ketosis is going to vary. The more metabolically or hormonally imbalanced you are, or if you're somebody that knows you're carb sensitive, the fewer carbs you can eat in order to get into ketosis, you'll have to keep them lower. And for people who are carb sensitive, the same is going to apply to protein. If you are carb sensitive, you'll have to eat fewer carbs to get into ketosis, and you'll also have to eat less protein to get into ketosis, and everyone is going to have a different sweet spot. Many people, especially people who yo-yo diet or have any degree of like metabolic abnormalities, might find that they can only eat 20 to 30 grams of carbs and stay in ketosis, and that's, that's hardly anything. Just to give you an idea, that's two cups of Brussels sprouts and four cherry tomatoes. Seriously, that's, that's nothing. So 
Other people will find that they can eat 60 to 100 grams of carbohydrates, still very, very low. That's still limiting your non-starchy vegetables in order to get into ketosis. And protein is the same way. Some people will find that they can only eat about six ounces of protein per day to get and stay in ketosis. Others will find that they can eat 12 to 8 ounces. People who have struggled with their weight, people who have struggled with carb sensitivity are going to be on the lower end of both spectrums. And again, 20 grams of carbs per day is two cups of Brussels sprouts and four cherry tomatoes. That's nothing. As far as protein goes, you know, there's six grams of protein in one egg. So if you're somebody that has to be on the lower end, you're really going to have to watch your protein as well. To find your sweet spot, the recommendation is to start low and stay there for two weeks. So you'd start with 20 grams of carbs and stay there for two weeks while measuring your ketones. And we'll talk about that in just a second. If you're in ketosis, great. After two weeks, add five grams of carbohydrates to the day. So you'd be at 25 grams and stay at that 25 gram level for two weeks and continue to measure. And every two weeks, add five grams until you find that tipping point where you are no longer in ketosis and then back down to where you were, right? I don't want anybody to be like, oh, I'm I'm in ketosis at 20 grams, so I'm going to stay there. Stay there for two weeks, but then see how far up you can go, okay? And protein is going to be the same thing. Start with that, say, six ounces per day. But here's the thing, guys. You've got to add fat to compensate. If you're eating 20 grams of carbs and six ounces of protein per day, that is like no calories. That's hardly anything. You must, 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 must up-regulate way more than you're comfortable, your protein, eat, uh, I'm sorry, your fat, eat the fat to satiety. And we'll talk about what fats are the most helpful. But when you're hungry, don't think this is starvation. Eat fat, eat fat, eat fat. This is not meant to be a low calorie diet. If you are low calorie, then you are eating not enough fat. And if you're not comfortable eating more fat, then ketosis is not for you and that's fine, okay? That's fine. So with protein, the approach is the same as carbs. Start low, stay for two weeks, make sure you're compensating with fat to satiety, to fullness, okay? And then add a little bit more. Stay there for two weeks. Keep measuring your ketones. When it comes to measuring your ketones, the two standard ways we see that people do it are their urine and their blood, Okay, you can measure via your breath, but those testing mechanisms aren't really easy to come by. I think they probably will be a lot more prevalent in the next couple of years, but for now, it's really urine and blood. Urine isn't a great way of measuring. Blood is the gold standard, but most people don't find it very practical to do the little finger prick with the home ketosis monitor that's a lot like a home uh, blood sugar monitor. The challenge with measuring in the urine, okay, is that the... Ketones we can measure in our urine are excess. So what that means is you didn't use them all for fuel. So some people will be like, what the heck? I'm eating fat like crazy and my protein and my carbs are low, but my keto sticks aren't that bright purple color that indicates ketosis. 
Well, that just means that you might be burning all the ketones you're producing and there's not extra stuff spilling over into your urine. And we see this a lot too. The longer you're in a state of ketosis, the more effective and efficient your body becomes at producing them and burning them. So there isn't an excess spilling over into your urine. Okay, that's why blood ketone levels are much more accurate because they truly show what you're producing and burning, not just what's left over. You might be burning them all and there isn't extra. That's an okay thing. So if you're if you're really hardcore into this, go ahead and do the blood monitoring. You can find the blood monitors on Amazon and in some drugstores or whatever. It's just a finger prick, just like testing your blood sugar. Um, if you use if you use the urine strips, don't get too caught up in it because there are a lot of ways that it can go wrong. There are many many reasons that people find that they can't get into ketosis, and they most commonly are you're eating too many carbs. Some people will be like, "I've cut out all my processed carbs and I'm not in ketosis." Well, what about fruit? Fruit is high carb when it comes to the world of ketosis. Even your non-starchy vegetables can quickly add up. If you're somebody that needs to be on the lower end of the spectrum, that means you have to really monitor your intake of even carbs like cabbage and broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Because as I said, two cups of Brussels sprouts and four cherry tomatoes giving you 20 grams of carbs. Another reason a lot of people find that they can't get into ketosis when they think they're doing everything right is that they're eating too much protein. Remember that that protein can be converted to glucose, okay? Another reason is if they're eating too many calories. You do need that deficit. You don't need to be in this magic calorie zone that lots of diet programs recommend because remember that not all calories are created equal and you've got to listen to your body. Track. I say this, I swear, on every single episode. Write down what you eat, how much, and when and track your hormonal biofeedback and your progress towards your goal, okay? If you are hungry and if you have low energy and if you're experiencing cravings and you're burning fat, you need to eat more, okay? You need to eat more. Another common reason people can't get into ketosis is not enough fat. That puts you into starvation mode. You have, you can't just cut protein and carbs and not increase fat and expect to get into ketosis. What you'll get into is starvation. You'll get into starvation and you'll start losing your precious muscle tissue and you do not want that. And then another reason, and it goes right along with not enough fat, is too few calories. So many people will be like, well, I'm doing, you know, 40 grams of carbs per day and eight ounces of protein a day. And then I have, you know, like a tablespoon of fat at each meal and snack. That is not even close to enough fat or calories. You need to be eating more fat. I also get a lot of questions about low carb flu, which can come with or without ketosis. But I do want to mention it here because ketosis creates a hormonal situation that encourages the kidneys to excrete water and salt. So a lot of people will lose water weight quickly in the first few days of ketosis, and they'll find that they look and feel leaner and less bloated because of this hormonal situation with aldosterone and a couple of other things. So if you're experiencing this low-carb flu thing, whether you're in ketosis or not, drink more water and consume more salt. Do not restrict your salt here. A lot of people naturally kind of 
move away from salt and water and you really have to make sure you're getting enough of both. I will routinely, and I'm not in ketosis, but I will routinely add a pinch of salt to my water and drink that a few times a day. Also, um, make sure you are eating enough. That low carb flu is usually because when people cut one macronutrient like carbs, they don't compensate by increasing the others. So you have to eat enough and you have to not be afraid of fat. Also make sure that you're getting enough micronutrients. If you're on the lower end of this carb spectrum and you're not eating a lot of vegetables, you're not getting a lot of those micronutrients. So try with your vegetables that you do eat to get a good variety. And I really would suggest taking a high quality multivitamin if you are going to be in a ketogenic state. But I emphasize high quality because there's a lot of garbage out there. And then part of it too can be just a natural sugar detox, sort of um, headaches or things like that. So you just have to be patient with the sugar detox part of it. Now, there are a few people that I feel strongly should not ever attempt ketosis. And one group of those individuals would be hypothyroid, hypothyroid, so underactive thyroid. Can it work for them? Absolutely. Do I think that it's the best approach? No, I don't. Here's why. Insulin, the hormone insulin, which is what rises when we consume sugars, carbohydrates, Insulin is required for the conversion of your inactive thyroid hormone T4 to the active thyroid hormone T3. Now, it's not like you have no insulin. It's not around at all when you're on a low-carb diet. But for some people, because it is, but for some people who are very hypothyroid or don't have their thyroid issue under control, ketosis just isn't the best option. And the other, (laughs) this is the big one. Ready? If you're listening to this, Stop what you're doing and hear me on this. I do not think ketosis is appropriate for anyone who doesn't see it as a forever way of eating. And I would say that that's probably most of you. That is true for me, okay? If you do not feel like for the rest of your life, you can keep your carbs very, very low, including your non-starchy vegetables, this is not just a conversation about potato and oats, if you do not feel like for the rest of your life you can maintain this way of eating with moderate protein, very low carbohydrate, and very high fat, I don't recommend it. Some people love it. They love adding butter. They love emphasizing fatty meats. They love adding coconut products or chowing down on avocado or whatever it is, and that is just a really satisfying, enjoyable way of eating. Go to town, man. Enjoy it. There's tons of benefits of ketosis. But for most of us, we want to be able to eat more liberally. And ketosis can be really hard to maintain if you want to have a social life. It's not easy to go out to a restaurant and make choices that are going to fit within this ketosis protocol. It's not impossible. It just isn't the easiest thing. For me personally, I love my non-starchy vegetables, and I am not willing to reduce them to the point to get me into ketosis because it's not required for fat loss. There are other ways to lose fat. Might I burn more fat faster if I were in ketosis? Yeah, but that's also, for me, a diet, and I define a diet as a short-term strategy, and I don't believe in short-term strategies. I love my veggies, I love my meat, I love my fish. I don't wanna feel like I have to restrict them to the extent that I would have to in order to get into ketosis. So I want to say this again. 
If you do not feel like you can eat this way for the rest of your life, don't do it. It's not necessary for fat loss. Does it work? Sure. Is it the only way? No. And I personally like a more moderate approach. So what are some of the benefits of ketosis? There are a ton of them. And one of the big ones is appetite control and less hunger. People will find that in a state of ketosis, they can often go 6, 8, 10, even 12 hours without eating because ketones are such an energy-dense fuel source. For a lot of people, that makes it worth it and that makes it enjoyable for them and sustainable for the rest of their lives. Also, your brain really loves ketones as fuel, so a lot of people will notice a lot more focus and mental clarity in a state of ketosis. Some other benefits... Stabilized blood sugar, improved insulin sensitivity, lower inflammation, healthier uh, blood lipid profiles. Uh, That surprises people, but it's because they have a misconception of fat. We often see an increase in the good cholesterol, lower triglycerides, things like that. There are also a lot of cognitive benefits, immunity benefits, and mood and behavior benefits. But the disadvantages of ketosis are that for most people, they don't find it sustainable. It can also be hard to get all the micronutrients you need, the vitamins and minerals, especially for people who have to be on the lower end of the carbohydrate spectrum to stay in ketosis because you really have to limit the amount of even the non-starchy vegetables. Another disadvantage is that it can negatively impact your microbiome, your bacterial balance, if you aren't getting enough fiber. And it's tough to get enough fiber if you're on the lower end of that carbohydrate spectrum because you're limiting your fibrous veggies. But there are ways to combat that. And one of those is, is by um, taking resistant starch, which you can just mix into water, and that will help the microflora issue. And then another disadvantage that I kind of mentioned already is that it can be hard to eat out and navigate social settings, much harder than just a traditional paleo, primal, whole foods, or even low-carb approach. When it comes to what fats you want to focus on in ketosis, some fats are more ketone-friendly than others. So some fats much more readily convert to ketones, and those are going to be your short and medium-chain fatty acids. Those that you can find in butter, ghee, which is clarified butter, coconut oil, MCT oil. And with MCT oil, the liver immediately converts MCTs to ketones. So it's kind of a way to jumpstart ketosis. You really want to avoid unhealthy fats like processed oils, like canola oil. These are highly processed. They're oxidized, often rancid. They're treated with deodorizers. You do not want them. Other healthy fats um, are going to be like red meat, but even that you have to be careful because you don't want to overconsume that protein. Avocados, but again, they consume carbohydrates, so you have to watch that. Olive oil is a good choice. Macadamia nuts are a good choice. Remember that your polyunsaturated fats are actually highly unstable and prone to oxidation. They trigger inflammation in the body, so you really do want to avoid those. My bottom line is this. Ask yourself, is it sustainable? Is it just appealing because you think you could burn fat faster? If that's the case, I mean, there are a lot of crash diets that are going to help you burn the fat. But ultimately, remember, 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 short-term strategies deliver short-term results. So if you feel like you can only do this for a week or two or two days on, one day off or whatever, 
I think that there's a better approach and that is the more moderate approach that I talk about on most of the episodes. But for some people, they love this way of eating and it becomes a lifestyle for them. And in that case, I think that it's a great thing. And I think that it's not dangerous the way people think that it is. But I do think most people do it wrong. They do it wrong. If you're going to do it, do it right. And if you're going to do it, ask yourself if it's if it's sustainable and ask yourself what has happened in the past when I have adopted a strategy that wasn't sustainable. And I would bet for nine out of 10 of you, you put the weight back on. So just don't go there if you know that about yourself. But if you love eating fats and you think that they're delicious and they really satisfy you, then I think that this can be a really good approach to both health and fat loss. For more information on carb strategies for more moderate fat loss, right, timing, type, amount, definitely, definitely check out the carbs and fat loss e-course that you can find on the work with me tab at primalpotential.com. And if you want to learn more about uh, ketosis, check out the show notes. You can go to primalpotential.com, hit the podcast tab or, or search ketosis and the show notes page for this episode will pop right up. Again, the show notes are not in iTunes. They are on primalpotential.com and I'll link to uh, the stuff we've talked about here and a couple of books if you want to learn more about this. Keto Clarity by Jimmy Moore is a great one and Perfecting Paleo by Ashley Tudor also goes into some strategies for finding out if ketosis works best for you. So I hope you find this helpful. If you have questions, let me know. Check out that Carb Strategies eCourse because it does really define a more lifestyle way of being carb smart so that you can get and stay in fat burning mode without the extreme approach of ketosis, which I know for most people isn't going to work. And I just want to end emphasizing again, at the risk of you guys shooting me for being like a broken record, if it's a short-term strategy, if you don't think you can do it for the rest of your life, I don't think you should waste your energy doing it for one day. That's just my two cents. So until next time, guys, stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big.